Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Vancouver considers opening parks to homeless campers. This applies to more than 230 parks across the city. Why the park board wants to change local bylaws. Women feeling threatened by a nightmare neighbor. It was very shocking. It was um, scary at the time. What she found on her balcony that made her call police. And another jump in COVID infections. The surge since phase three began and why there's no need to panic yet. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll have the latest on a potential group exposure to COVID 19 in Kelowna in just a moment. But first, the Vancouver Park Board is considering changing the rules to allow the homeless to camp out in any city park temporarily. But after cleaning up the mess in Oppenheimer Park and dealing with a new tent city in Strathcona Park, some, even homeless advocates, wonder if this is the right move. Jordan Armstrong reports. Two governments, two different approaches to tent cities. At this federally owned lot beside Crab Park, a permanent spiked fence is going up to prevent another encampment from popping up. Over at Strathcona Park, a tent city is expanding from 100 tents two weeks ago to 238 today. It's not home, but, you know, it does the job for now. On paper, this is Vancouver Park Board property, but the people living here say it's unceded Indigenous territory, and they're calling it Camp KT. Camp KT is after Kennedy Stewart and Justin Trudeau, who are completely faceless. Now, technically, camping in Vancouver parks is illegal, but the board believes enforcing the current bylaw would be unconstitutional. So instead, a staff report going before commissioners Monday recommends allowing camping in any park from dawn until dusk, meaning the tents would have to be packed up by 8 a.m. Do you think anyone's going to listen to that? Not here. Other proposed rules include no tents within 25 meters of a playground or school, no tents on sports fields, no campfires. No one from the park board would speak on camera Friday, but according to the staff report, the goal here is to give the board tools to protect its assets while balancing the needs and rights of all park users. I think if we see these changes enacted, uh, You'll see a parks board that has slightly more power than it does now. It'll be a little more clear on when and how and where temporary shelters and encampments can pop up. But the Strathcona Business Improvement Association still has a lot of questions ahead of Monday's meeting and a desire for more leadership on this issue. I think we're waiting to hear from our provincial leadership, from our mayor, on what a plan is moving forward. Housing is not going to pop up overnight. The Park Board is also considering washrooms and storage spaces for encampments. This man who lives at Strathcona says there's too much talk about tent cities and not enough about what he calls the real problem. The real problem is it's addiction, in my opinion. You help people deal with that, then maybe there will be a step forward. Jordan Armstrong, Global News.
Meanwhile, homeless campers in Victoria are being asked to move out of the more sensitive areas of Beacon Hill Park. They were given the green light to sleep there back in May, but now the city is seeking an order that would ban campers from sheltering in more environmentally vulnerable parts of the park. The Gary Oak ecosystems in Beacon Hill are part of an endangered natural system, and officials say protecting that space is critical to maintaining biodiversity in the city. And there's a growing controversy in the greater municipality of Oak Bay. At issue, the fate of the Oak Bay Lodge, a seniors care facility that'll soon be vacant. But as Brad McLeod reports, a plan to use the building to house the homeless isn't going over well with some of the locals. It's just a discussion at this point what to do with a soon-to-be-vacant continuing care home in Oak Bay. So I have heard from a lot of people, and yeah, absolutely the overwhelming uh, response has been concern. Behind the well-to-do tweed curtain of Oak Bay, a bubbling sentiment of not in my backyard. It's a nice community and I can understand some of the fear. The Capital Regional District owns the Oak Bay Lodge and the current residents of the 238-bed facility are moving out to a new one. The CRD just unanimously passed a motion to explore what they could do with the building before it's redeveloped. Could it be used as a hospital facility, as a backup for COVID? Could it be used as a homeless shelter? CRD board member Lisa Helps brought forward the motion. To uh, residents of Oak Bay, um, I would say that we all need to do our part. It's very unlikely to see uh, an empty building stay empty when there are people living outside. While the Oak Bay mayor is supportive of exploration. If it's 250 low barrier, you know, people coming in without supports, that's a very different story than providing, you know, homeless shelters for families or something. Some common concerns are its proximity to a high school and a daycare. But the mayor reminding constituents. It's important for people to know that this is the the opening of a, of a, of a dialogue on this situation. And of course, many residents know a tweed curtain can't keep out the very real homeless issue at their doorstep. But I think we have to hear what it will be like, and we all have to do something for this. Those issues don't go away if you don't help out. There's an awful lot of homeless people around, and they need a place to live. So if it works, why not? Brad McLeod, Global News, Oak Bay. There are some mixed results for B.C. contained in the June job numbers. The data shows the province's economy is rebounding from the COVID shutdown faster than almost anyone predicted. But B.C. is lagging behind the rest of the country when it comes to job creation. Richard Zussman explores the reasons why. It's a welcome sign for peddler cycling tours near Victoria's Inner Harbour, guests renting bicycles. But it's been a tough few months with almost no new business. And Charles Horn has gone from employing 13 to 15 people a year to two. And I don't see that really changing until maybe late August at the best. So, yeah, it's a big, uh, big difference in the staffing here. Business is slowly coming back in B.C., but unemployment still high. According to Statistics Canada, 118,000 jobs were added to the B.C. economy this past month. Unemployment dropping from 13.4% to 13%. The data released today for British Columbians paints a picture of cautious optimism with a long road ahead of us. But BC is now below the national unemployment average. 953,000 jobs were added across the country. Unemployment going from 13.7% to 12.3%. 
tourism and the service sector is a big sector here in British Columbia. There's no question that it's going to be impacted, not in the short term, but probably in the long term. Municipalities across the province are doing everything they can to allow businesses to operate, including opening additional patio space so that businesses can hire more people. But with the U.S. border closed, there just aren't the tourists there have been in the past, and that is going to have a long-term impact. Tourism will be challenged. There's no question about that. And we're working with the federal government to find ways that we can backstop some of these companies. But economists are still somewhat optimistic. This is a sizable jump. I, I agree it exceeded expectations. Businesses, especially in the tourism sector, hoping the reopening is enough to stay afloat, especially considering they have made almost nothing for months. It's going to be a cold winter for a lot of people in this town because those, again, those surpluses they build up in the summer to carry them through, there aren't any anymore. And businesses aren't sure when that economy may eventually warm back up. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. On the topic of tourism, the reopening of a pair of remote fishing lodges on Haida Gwaii has residents of the remote islands upset. The Haida Nation hasn't lifted its state of emergency and says the islands remain closed to all non-essential travelers. John Waugh shows us why some operators say that's unfair. It's a postcard getaway for those looking for a luxury escape from the COVID-19 pandemic. But the reopening of two fishing lodges in Haida Gwaii has reeled in anger and frustration from the nation's council. We once again ask you to abide by our current state of emergency measures and to respect the authority and jurisdiction of the Haida Nation. The concern is this remote community can't risk exposure to outside visitors. Even one COVID-19 case would exhaust limited medical resources with only two ventilators in town. This is connected to our history and the historical traumas of colonization, of past epidemics and pandemics. Both the West Coast Fishing Club and Queen Charlotte Lodge say restart measures include flying guests directly to the remote locations and either evacuation plans or emergency doctors on site to avoid using community resources. We are 45 uh, kilometers away from the nearest community. Uh, there is zero chance any infection could, have, could occur. Clough insists they are not accepting guests from the United States, but people are visiting from across Canada. There is a concern that that they want us to be fair with other lodges in their communities, which would invite outside contact. BC's Premier says businesses that have adhered to provincial guidelines have a right to reopen. They will meet the requirements of the province of British Columbia. Having said that, they have an additional responsibility to make sure that the Indigenous communities near where they operate are comfortable with their activity. The tension lies between conflicting provincial and local states of emergency over what operators call their freehold property. Despite rallies and occupations being planned in protest, neither side wanting that line of peaceful communication to snap. John Hua, Global News. BC health officials have released today's COVID-19 numbers, and once again, they are higher than we've seen recently. There are 25 new cases in the province, a daily total we haven't seen since May 8th. There has been one additional death at Holy Family Long-Term Care Home in Vancouver. 16 people are in hospital, five in the ICU. 2,679 people who have tested positive for the virus have since recovered. So we'll bring in our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry now for more on these numbers. And Keith, what we're learning about this possible group exposure in Kelowna. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the Interior Health Authority just issued a bulletin a short time ago, Chris, uh, telling people there has been a, an outbreak in Kelowna a few weeks ago. Here's what the, the information from, coming from the Health Authority. First of all, uh, anybody who was at the Kelowna waterfront or downtown area between the dates of June 25th and July 6th, specifically the concern is the Canada Day and holiday weekend, uh, those people have to uh, check your symptoms in terms of whether you're not you're potentially exposed to COVID-19. So far, eight people have tested positive who have been or been found through contact tracing. So you may get a phone call uh, through contact tracing uh, measures employed by the Interior Health Authority. Uh, eight people, six of those people live outside the Health Authority in Vancouver Coastal or Vancouver or in uh, the Fraser Health Authority. Symptoms include, of course, fever, cough, uh, shortness of breath, loss of sense of smell or a sense of taste. And if you're experiencing those symptoms, go get a test and you may be, you have to be prepared to self-isolate. So that's a bulletin issued just late today uh, to people who gathered in Kelowna in gatherings at those two locations over uh, the holiday weekend in particular. Well, no doubt the Okanagan is going to be busy again this weekend and moving forward with uh, mm -hmm. BC residents doing their staycations. Premier Horgan commenting today on the border and the potential of reopening that. What did he have to say? Yeah, once again, John Horgan adding his voice to pretty well a chorus across Canada. Do not open the border anytime soon. On our Facebook Live encounter with him today, he says this comes up in every call he has with uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He fully expects that the agreement to close the border that ends July, uh, July 21st was going to be extended for a considerably long period of time. Here's the Premier. We want to maintain those borders closed at this time. It's overwhelmingly supported by British Columbians and, in fact, Canadians across the country feel strongly about this. The federal government, I'm sure, will uh, add another 30 days on, on ju July 21st, uh, to take us into August, and we'll take stock at that time. But until we see better results in jurisdictions in the United States, I think uh, the vast majority of people want us to keep those borders closed. And you can expect, Chris, that border is going to remain shut for some time. The United States is just at the beginning of a disaster. Uh, the cases are spiraling upwards every day, as are the deaths and hospitalizations. The numbers just landed from Washington State in my inbox. Uh, today, 637 cases reported. 15 more people died since the weekend. Just a few days ago, 59 people have died in Washington State alone. It's a terrible situation in the United States, and that border is going to remain shut, I think, for a long time. Sounds like it. Okay, thanks very much, Keith. Now, a White Rock woman is sharing a harrowing story about sexual harassment by someone she believes is a neighbor in her apartment building. Police confirm there is an investigation underway, and she is not the only complainant. Catherine Urquhart has the details and a warning. Some of them are quite graphic. I was sitting on my sofa one late night, and I was watching TV, and I heard a sound on my balcony. And I went over to my balcony to look at what it, the sound was coming from, and I saw a hand with a note taped to a tin can, and it was placed right there at the bottom. It was back in May when Sam Mohammed Saber found that note. Its content extremely sexual and disturbing. The note said something very inappropriate in the lines of, um, I want to lick your private parts, I want to lick your p That was what it said. When Sam filed a police report, she says the officer suggested she move. Now she says another woman in her building is also being harassed. She had a very similar note sent to her, and then the next morning she woke up to that note, and then she saw her door, and the door was damaged. They also suggested to my neighbor that she should move if she doesn't feel very safe. 
White Rock RCMP declined an on-camera interview and would not answer specific questions about the two complaints, which remain under investigation. In an emailed statement, they said, The investigative steps to establish identity and prove the elements of an offence at a level that is accepted in court usually differs from what the public expects. It's appalling. It's appalling to think that the law, the agency responsible for law enforcement, for public safety, would be telling a victim of alleged sexual harassment uh, in her, where she lives, in her, in her home, where it's supposed to be safe, that she should move is appalling. Sam hopes charges are laid soon. Until then, she's being extra careful to guard her personal safety. It's awful because I shouldn't feel like I need to move or feel unsafe because of someone else's behavior and someone that doesn't know how to control their behavior. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. There's a renewed call to crack down on illegal dumping in parts of North Surrey. A housing activist group says piles of trash are pretty much commonplace in parts of the city, and it's demanding City Hall do something now. But as Nadia Stewart reports, the pandemic is complicating the problem. It is a pile of trash these residents are tired of seeing, one they say has been growing over the last few months. With wildlife and with kids and everything around, like there's kids that live in houses here too. And if they come in here with needles on the ground and everything too, then, you know, they could get hurt. This garbage was dumped illegally near 97A Avenue and 137B Street near Surrey Memorial Hospital. Everything from clothing to mattresses and used syringes. Just a lot, a lot of illegal dumping. It's not just here, it's everywhere. Indeed, this is a problem just about every municipality deals with. People who are too lazy to take their junk to the dump, so they just get rid of it anywhere they can. In 2016, the city of Surrey was spending over a million dollars to collect everything, raising questions back then about whether there was a correlation between rising tipping fees and an increase in illegal dumping, something Metro Vancouver rejected. But in an email to Global News, the city's manager of engineering operations says over the last four years, they have successfully reduced illegal dumping by 30%, offering free large pickups and pop-up junk events where folks can get rid of household items that are not necessarily curbside friendly. There's also a new campaign supporting community cleanups. Since May 2020, 32 community cleanup events have been organized by residents and small groups in Surrey all while maintaining physical distancing, says the city. But these residents say there has to be a balance between community involvement and municipal responsibility. When it comes to dealing with really dangerous or really excessive sites like this one, for instance, joint responsibility is really what's needed. And right now we're seeing an abdication of that joint responsibility from the city. After we contacted the city about this site, they sent a crew over it to clean it up. Since it has been a magnet for illegal dumpers for some time, the city is promising increased inspections of the area. Residents are calling for surveillance cameras. Nadia Stork, Global News. Playland is back, but with some restrictions. Playland is now open Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays throughout the summer. Due to reduced capacity, tickets must be bought online to hold a spot. Prices for all ages and heights is just under $30. Masks must be worn on all rides, but not all of the old favorites will be up and running. The legendary wooden roller coaster and the flume water ride are two that will remain closed at this time. 
A powerful new tool in the battle against BC wildfires, Talon Helicopters is the first in the province to pull out a weapon that can see in the dark. Why that's the best time to be fighting forest fires in just over a minute. Oh, Jasper boy! Jasper's epic adventure all over the West Kootenai and the emotional reunion with his owners later on the news hour and. A teenager with all the skills to go fast, stuck in the slow lane, coming up later in sports. Right now, though, the BC Wildfire Service will soon have a powerful new tool to attack wildfires. Talon Helicopters is now certified to use state-of-the-art night vision technology, allowing crews to hit fires in the dark, long after aerial attacks usually have to shut down because of the darkness. Paul Johnson shows us why it's so effective. Check out the latest addition to BC's wildfire fighting air fleet, a fully operational, night-capable helicopter. We began exploring night vision capabilities in 2017. If you've ever watched the battle against a forest fire, it's no surprise that the air attack is mostly a daytime thing. It's far too dangerous for airplanes to come swooping in low and fast in the dark. But choppers have the ability to move in slow and carefully. You'll scan it outside and your eyes will come down and look inside at your instrument panels. And if the pilots are equipped with a pair of these, firefighting from the air can continue after the sun goes down. They are fighting fire at night down in California. Some other states in the U.S. are flying fires at night. Australia has taken it up in the last few years. In the past, most night vision flying was done by the military. Here's a look at the view through night vision goggles of a combat mission by Canadian choppers in Afghanistan a few years ago. Now available for civilian aviation, night vision will enable Vancouver's Talon helicopters to do search and rescue after dark and to run the first chopper in Canada certified for forest fire fighting at night. Here's a picture of a water drop at a recent test in B.C. While most airborne fire suppression will still happen during the day, Talon's new capability could be called on to douse fires sparked by lightning after dark and for nighttime scouting missions to plan for the next day. If B.C. has big fires this summer, don't be surprised to hear the clatter of rotor blades at night. In the past in B.C., especially... Hearing a helicopter at night is, is more of a rare event, and uh, I could see it happening more often in the future here moving forward. Paul Johnson, Global News. Still ahead, mosquito mayhem. Why the pests are another reason to stay inside this summer. And later, TV host and artist Bob Ross made a lot of happy accidents, but this exhibit in BC is giving him the respect he deserves. In Coquitlam, we have roadworks southbound on North Road. It starts just south of Low Heat Highway and goes south of Highway 1 down to Hume Park. Northbound, also down to a single file lane through this stretch. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. And Global One above North Road, I'm Member Belzer. We don't make mistakes. We have happy accidents. He was a charming part of public television for years. Bob Ross pumped a painting out every half hour. And now a new exhibition of his work called Happy Little Accidents is showing at the Penticton Art Gallery. The late American painter hosted The Joy of Painting, 
a popular show on PBS that ran for more than a decade in the 80s and 90s. He's since become an internet star. 32 of Ross's paintings are now on display and at the center of the exhibit is a mock-up of a typical living room along with a television that plays episodes of his show. It's already drawing big numbers. On Saturday, 425 people showed up. That's one of the biggest turnouts in gallery history. Happy Little Accidents runs until September 13th. Well, anyone enjoying beautiful B.C. outdoors right now is likely encountering an ugly pest problem. A swarm of mosquitoes far larger than normal. And as Sonia Diol reports, it's connected to the surging waters of the Fraser River. They're tiny, they're hungry, and they're out to get you. They're all getting really bad. They're just eating us alive. Metro Vancouver is seeing the biggest spike in mosquitoes in nearly a decade. All over his forehead, all over our ankles. Yeah, our ankles are got... leg. The reason these insatiable bugs are on the rise is the weather. Yeah, and we've had so much rain. And rising water levels in the Fraser River. The river's done some crazy things this year in terms of it having multiple peaks, with each peak in the Fraser being larger than the previous peak. And every time that happens, it creates another hatch of mosquitoes. That's because female mosquitoes look to lay their eggs along the shore. They average about a 1,000 eggs in a lifetime. An egg can lay dormant for as long as 10 years and can only hatch when it gets wet, which means now is the perfect time to turn into a bloodthirsty flying pest. I feel like I've been attacked by about 100,000 mosquitoes. Sean Calver and his team from Morrow Bioscience now in a battle with the bugs to get rid of them in the Fraser Valley. We find the presence of mosquito larvae in the water and that's what we treat. By spreading a non-toxic larvicide by hand, boat and helicopter, the aim is to get to them before they can turn into those annoying adults. We do get about 80 to 90% of them. But in such a high water year with all these multiple peaks in the Fraser, it is translating to a higher than normal number. In the meantime, the advice, stock up on repellent. It's yeah, empty. It's empty, we ran out. I just ran out. Especially over the next few weeks. I try not to let them go out here, but it's okay. And wear light-coloured clothing when you can. Yeah, yeah, they're all over you. I just got bit on the forehead. They're not dangerous or carrying any disease, but they are looking for a juicy meal. Justin! Okay, there's like six on your back. <laughs> <laughs> a very itchy Sonia Diol, Global News. And straight ahead, here's another warning. This one for anyone out on the water this weekend. Why boating safety is a must with too many tragedies already this summer. And a couple thought their dog was gone for good. Jasper's great adventure and how he found his way home later. Good afternoon. It's a light commute for Highway 91, making way to and from the Alex Fraser Bridge and Richmond. You can see that it's steady across the bridge deck with four lanes as you make your way south and three headed northbound. Today's Lotta Max jackpot is an estimated $35 million. Lotta Max, dream to the max. In Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge, I'm Amber Belzer. A warning now from officials in the Okanagan after four drownings in the region in less than a month. Just yesterday, a man lost his life only steps from his lakeshore home. Darian Matassa-Fung reports. 
tragedy on Okanagan Lake Thursday afternoon where a 65-year-old man drowned while swimming just steps from his lakeshore home. Despite what RCMP call the best efforts of witnesses and emergency crews at the West Kelowna Beach, the man's death is the fourth in the Okanagan since Father's Day. The string of drownings is a stark reminder to use extreme caution when on or near the water. Summers are a great time in the Okanagan to enjoy the many lakes that we have in the area. However, with the increased traffic on the lakes, it results in an increased risk of accidents and drownings. The RCMP wants to remind visitors and residents that if they do choose to enjoy the water, to do so responsibly. We recommend that, that everybody takes the appropriate precautions to ensure that they have a safe trip. Drugs or alcohol can impair your decisions on the water, according to the RCMP, who recommend wearing a life jacket when necessary and to let someone else know your plans for the day. Jenna Sullivan is with the Life Saving Society, a group of lifeguarding experts. One of the biggest things that people can do is to be prepared. So that means being mentally prepared and also prepared with the right safety equipment. Okanagan waters right now are dangerous, running high, fast and cold. It changes the environment from what we're used to. So any landmarks last year that you had previously associated with being in a shallow depth at the beach might now be over your head. They say children are the most at risk. Even in a controlled um, environment where there's lifeguards, we ask that parents stay within arm's reach of their children. But don't put yourself in harm's way to try and save someone, experts say. It can create an even more dire situation, which is what happened at Mill Creek Regional Park when a lower mainland dad died after rescuing his daughter. It's a reminder that even the best of times around the water can quickly take a turn. Darian Matasafung, Global News, Kelowna. In Health Matters tonight, new research finds pumping breast milk is less beneficial than actually breastfeeding your baby. UBC researchers teamed up with the University of Manitoba and studied more than a thousand mothers and their babies. They found that mom and baby share good bacteria through breast milk. That bacteria is important for an infant's healthy gut development. But it also found that pumping and bottle feeding may reduce the transfer of that good bacteria. This is the first study of its kind to evaluate the multiple breast milk feeding practices. Still ahead, a promising career in auto racing stuck in neutral. I would love to keep racing. A talented teenager at a crossroads, unsure what the future holds because of COVID-19. And don't this forget is satellite debris. <laughs> Give a shout out, tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News. BC Healthcare Heroes in partnership with Fortis BC, caring for the BC communities where we live and work. Unbelievable, Jaspie. Hey. A Hollywood ending for a dog-loving couple in the West Kootenai coming up right after Christie's forecast. And let's see as we head into the weekend whether that sunshine's going to stick around. Christy? 
I don't have very good news for you, Chris, unfortunately. Today was bright, sunny. You can certainly see some cloud cover now starting to move in behind me here. And that takes us into our weekend, everyone. But it's not all bad news. So I'll break it down for you. First, though, a shot of little Henry. He's two years old picking blueberries. So, yeah, great time to go out and support your local berry farm because this is the time of year, that's for sure. Look at that little guy. Looks like he's got it on his a little bit on his face there as well. All right, so this is the system moving in. We won't see it tomorrow morning. We'll see some cloud cover tomorrow morning, but certainly parts of Vancouver Island will and the central interior. We're still on flood watch, by the way, especially in through the Quinell area and the uh, middle Fraser River. As that system moves further south, we'll start to see it from Metro Vancouver, likely around uh, lunchtime, and then we'll see it through the afternoon hours. And you can see it continuing in through the central interior and caribou region as well. Your Sunday remains a little unsettled, although I am expecting some sunshine for a Sunday in the mix, not complete sunshine, but in the mix with just a very slight chance of showers. So certainly Sunday looks a little bit better at this point. Sunshine across the south, but for our region, we are expecting wet weather. Vancouver Island will see it first. Metro Vancouver will certainly see it through the afternoon hours, and you can see uh, we are trending towards sunshine. It's just going to take a little while for us to get there, Chris, and I'll leave you with your central windows, weather window from the West Hand Island, which is just near uh, Ladner, great shot. You know this area well. Lots of blue sky there today. Yeah, great spot. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Well, Jasper the dog has survived a wild adventure in the West Kootenai backcountry. He escaped his Castlegar backyard, much to the despair of his owners. They feared he was gone forever, but as Linda Aylesworth shows us, they got the Hollywood ending they were hoping for. If Jasper, the three-year-old Great Pyrenees, could talk, it would be not only miraculous, but fascinating, because this backyard escape artist recently returned from a death-defying adventure. He's never escaped, he's never gone anywhere, he's just always here, so I was like really shocked. They went on social media and alerted their community in and around Castlegar. He's kind of hard to miss, right? So, I mean, if there was a dog walking down the street that looks like a polar bear, you know, somebody would have seen him. Mm. And so they did, but not where they expected. A guy called in to them and said, hey, I was going down my boat down the Columbia River and I saw on the other side of the river from us, I saw a big white dog. Whenever there was a phone call, we just barreled down there trying to find him and we'd miss him. It was just two minutes here, two minutes there. Jasper has swum across the Columbia River. Don't let the calm facade fool you. This is one powerful body of water. And if that wasn't enough, before long, he was spotted back on the other bank. So all sorts of people were searching this sandbar for the dog. You know, Jasper, Jasper, but there was no Jasper. It evaporated. And what did Jasper do next? Yep, he crossed the Columbia again, but still he eluded Mary and Brent. In my heart, I just had thought that he was going to try the Columbia one more time and that he was going to drown. On day three, they were heading home after another fruitless day of searching when Mary asked if Brent might stop the car so she could call out one more time. And I said, there's not going to be a Hollywood ending for this right now. And we drive 100 or 200 yards farther down the road and I said, there he is, in the middle of the row. Oh, Jasper boy! So it was amazing. So we got our, our Jasper miracle and... Uh, and the Hollywood ending. And the Hollywood ending. <laughs> we get our Hollywood. Oh! Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, uh, let's check in very quickly here with Squire, see what's coming up in sports later. Squire?
Did I not see that plot on a Littlest Hobo episode? <laughs> Thank you. Didn't you see Maybe. every plot on there? Well, no, I, I missed a few. <laughs> I, I, I really should get a DVD of it. Uh, the restart has been approved, so the Canucks can now seriously begin thinking about a series with Minnesota. Tyler Toffoli, slap pass, it's in! Miller with the goal! We'll tell you the best of five schedule coming up. All right, thanks for that. Also tonight's satellite debris and why this horse race is proof you should never give up. Hockey's almost back. Here's Squire with the latest. Yep. Yes, that is very true. The NHL owners and the players have voted yes to restart the season. Now, any player who doesn't want to play has to say so by 2 o'clock our time on Monday. And if someone bails out, they won't get any blowback for doing it. Training camps can start Monday. All Eastern teams will play in Toronto. All Western teams will play in Edmonton. Edmonton will also be the host of the Final Four and the Stanley Cup Final itself. And the Canucks schedule in their best of five with Minnesota is set. It'll be a Sunday to Sunday if it goes all five games. So August 2nd, then the 4th, then the 6th. Because it's a best of five, the final two are only if necessary. And the final game, if it goes to a game five, will be Sunday, August the 9th. All right, to golf. Second round of the Workday Charity Open. And the Abbotsford boys finally getting some TV time. And Nick Taylor for Eagle on the 11th. His second hole of the day goes to minus eight. 17th hole. Taylor. On 17, this is 25 feet for birds. He was five under at that point on the day, 10 under overall in second, but he uh, backed up and ended up at six under par. Adam Hadwin, just like his buddy Nick Taylor, good for a while, and then he backed up as well. He faded to five under par, despite these lovely shots you're seeing from him right here. So as we take a look at the leaderboard now, uh, Colin Morikawa had another big day, so he's at 1,300. You can see Mackenzie Hughes actually didn't finish his round. Play had to be suspended because of rain. All right. There are two main things if uh, you want to get to the highest levels of auto racing. You need both of these. You will need to be a great driver, and you will also need a great deal of money. A local racer has one of those two things right now. He can really drive. He just needs some investors. My name is Kellen Ritter. I'm from North Vancouver, BC. Started in carts when I was four years old and ever since then fell in love with motorsports. Kellen Ritter has always loved putting the pedal down from go-karts to dominating Canada's top development circuit back in 2018 when he won or finished on the podium in nearly every race. Now he's got a ride waiting for him on the Road to Indy series, which is just two steps below racing the top Indy cars. But he's stalled out right now, waiting for the financial backing he needs to race at that level. It's everything. Um, he needs a sponsor, backer, capital to get to the next level. In most sports, the best athletes and performers find their way to the top. But in auto racing, the money factor has put the brakes on many careers. At 19, Kellen Ritter has all the talent and determination to have success, but he may never get the chance to prove it. It's a hard thought to think about, for sure. But, you know, if it comes down to it, it comes down to it. But 
um, I would love to keep racing and I you know it may come down to just starting again next year when things kind of clear up but hopefully this year we can come in at least in part way into the season and and get something done. Chris Ritter is a successful businessman and figures he's shelled out in excess of half a million dollars already to keep his son on track. But they're at the crossroads now. It's a tough go at the best of times. Now with COVID, it's literally the worst of times looking for money to sponsor a teenage auto racer. We are barking up every tree. We're um, trying people that are in the motorsports world. Uh, We're trying people that are in uh, the automotive world. We're doing everything we can. For now, Kellen is staying sharp on his race simulator and trying to keep his spirits up the best he can. If he can manage to get some backing, he could join the circuit mid-season. Right now, he would do anything to feel that rush of race day. But just hearing the engines and smelling the fuel and all that stuff, and everybody's just in such a good mood all the time, it's, it's something that's just really welcoming. And especially on a race weekend, and once you get focused, it's everybody else's focus everybody else is behind you and it's really encouraging i gotta say he is one of the coolest rooms i've ever seen yeah lots of great models i know he's got like the great axe behind him yeah he can you know simulate racing he's got cool models let's hope he gets a chance to get back behind the wheel very very soon thanks choir all right we've got our salute to healthcare heroes coming up next and satellite debris Time to recognize another one of our BC healthcare heroes working hard to keep people healthy during the COVID-19 pandemic. Tonight's nomination comes from Ruth Fedro, who wanted to say thank you to her daughter, Julie Froelich. Julie works at Eagle Ridge Hospital as a booking clerk. She's currently part of a team dedicated to rescheduling all of the appointments that got canceled because of the virus. Julie was recently recognized by a patient who wrote her a thank you card expressing the kindness and attention that Julie showed her. Julie's not only juggling busy work days, but her household too. She goes home from the hospital to her husband and two toddlers. Julie, your mom is so proud of you and says you are her healthcare hero and tonight you're our healthcare hero too. We thank you for continuing to show up for BC during these very trying times. And if you have a healthcare hero you'd like to see recognized, send an email to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Be sure to attach a few pictures like that and details about why they are your hero. Once again, thank you. Okay, here's Squire and Satellite Debris. Okay, last night I um, was mentioning that I was going to show you this crazy horse race. and it was, then It was the 24-hour tease. And then it was like rudely 7 o'clock came a lot sooner than we thought. <laughs> But then today, we saw another crazy horse racing thing that I have never seen before. So now I'm going to put both together, and that's how we're going to start Satellite Debris. So we do have it for you. Now, the first one is from Charlestown Racetrack in the States. This horse is called River Crossroad RVF. It has the lead easy. It's going to win easy. It's one of the favorites. Oh, then he just left the track. He just left. This isn't a relay race. You can't just pass the baton and leave. But it's like, hey, I got some friends over there. I thought I'd go talk to them for a while. And he bails. This was the one I was going to show you yesterday. So the horse on the lead is Hoss Kitten. Hoss Kitten has a little bit of a problem. She loses her concentration. She goes way wide. Now she falls way back in the stretch. And it looks like the race is over for her. But watch what happens. Hoss Kitten suddenly gets her head screwed on right. 
And the next thing you know, she comes all the way back and wins the race. I've never seen that before either. That is and I've seen plenty of horse races in my time. But to have a horse blow a turn like that and then rally and win it by a nose is pretty impressive. What's wow. also impressive is squirrels dunking nuts. But oh. wait, yes. Yeah. Uh, this is for a uh, water company in France. And after that, Geico. Here we go. À Vitel, l'eau est source naturelle de vitalité depuis toujours. C'est pour ça que depuis près de 30 ans, nous contribuons à protéger la source et la biodiversité. Look who's back. Again. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. We can see you, Carl. We can totally see you. Come on, you're better than this. All that prowling around. Yeah, you're the king of the jungle. Have you thought about going vegan, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> You know, folks who save hundreds of dollars by switching to Geico sure are happy. How happy are they, Jimmy? Happier than an antelope with night vision goggles. Nice. Get happy. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Second time night vision has made an appearance in this newscast. Totally really? unplanned. Oh, yeah. Uh, so somewhere in the world, somebody is probably named Merry Christmas. Probably. Yeah. Um, this commercial has to do with a name that sounds like something other than a name. Mr. Murray, have you decided on a name? We're thinking Callum. <laughs> this is Callum Murray. <laughs> Callum Murray to the seafood aisle. Callum Murray, why'd they name you that? <laughs> I take you. Callum Murray. <laughs> Let's make it Jack. Drink it through with Dare Ice Coffee. <laughs> Another good addition, Squire. Callum Murray. Callum Murray. Oh, boy. There you go. Uh, all right. We've had a little <laughs> trouble getting the timing right for Sunshine on the weekends. This one's no different, Christy. Yeah, we did uh, squeak out not a bad one last weekend. But, yeah, you're right. Right back into it, Chris. So, so we will see the rainfall by noon tomorrow, and it will be wet for the remainder of our Saturday. All right. Best to you and the boys this weekend. And thanks, Squire. Thanks all for watching. Have a great weekend.